Hi there, it's Andrew here, and we're entering into a new episode of Line Upon Line Bible Discussions. Uh, this is the last of our podcast series on foundation truths from Genesis. Um, I trust the, the whole series has been a blessing to you. Uh, we're looking at the seed of the woman and the way back to God, and there are some really important truths, I believe, come out in this podcast. We're going to be joined by David Williamson, um, who has joined us for other discussions in this series. Uh, I trust the series as a whole has been a blessing to you, and we do intend, God willing, to have another series perhaps in the early part of next year. Uh, please get in touch. Let us know if the series has been a blessing, uh, whether it be through our website, including Christian Assembly, or whether it be Facebook uh, through the various means there. I trust this current podcast will now be a blessing to you as we continue. Okay, David, it's lovely to see you again. Good to be with you, bro. So we're looking today, our plan is to look at the seed of the woman in a little bit more detail and the way back to God um, is the way it's been uh, termed in the, the title of this podcast. Uh, so we're, we're going to look firstly at Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 14, 15, the seed of the woman, the promise that has been known as, in, in church history, has been known as the Proto-Evangelium which is an interesting term, it just means the first gospel. Uh, so we'll we'll take a wee look at that for uh, a little while, and then we'll maybe try to draw some of the principles that are obvious from chapter four um, briefly, uh, just to conclude this little podcast, this little series. We've reached outside the garden. Uh, man's really in rebellion now, away from God. Um, by the time we get to chapter four, anyway, that's this is, becomes very obvious. Um, life is going to be outside of paradise, away from the tree of life, um, as we mentioned at the end of last, the last podcast. The fall and the effects of it, well, they're with us to, till now, aren't they? Um, but there are also two other things that are, are obviously with us um, as we think of the gospel and we think of the great truths of, of the Bible, the gracious promise of the Lord God about a saviour. Mm-hmm. and the stark choice that the sons of Adam will have to make. Um, so so there's that sense in which um, these two large principles that sort of sit in the surface of these passages are very relevant for us today. So we're going to try and dig into these and try and understand them a little bit better. I think the first thing we should do, David, is read uh, Genesis 3, verse 14 and 15 again, uh, so that we can... Uh, focus on those for a little while. Genesis three fourteen. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you're cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Okay, so there are um, interesting distinctions between verse 14 and 15. David, I think you maybe touched upon them last time. Verse 14 seems to focus more on the, on the serpent, uh, the physical serpent, if you like. And verse 15 tends to bring us a bit further. Would that be a fair analysis, you feel? Yes, it does. It does bring us further, but 
even in verse 14, maybe just in the background, there's there's the 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 spiritual side. We'll maybe see more of that just when we look at the detail of, of verse 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are these distinctions that are made in, in, in Genesis 3, 15, uh, between the woman and her seed, and then the serpent and his seed. So when we think of this um, personage behind the serpent, it really isn't hard to see from scripture who's been spoken about um that old serpent the devil i think is the expression that's used in uh, revelation 12 isn't it um however who is the the serpent's seed we'll have to maybe think about that and the woman's seed so uh, can you help us with some of these distinctions david maybe and and how you see this this passage developing and an understanding of it yeah well well i i think um, we need to have a bit of consistency with what uh, went before in verse 14, just in the sense that in verse 14, the, the Lord God spoke to the, the serpent. And uh, we saw there, as you said, that he addresses the physical ser- serpent. Okay, on, on your belly you shall go, you shall eat dust all the days of your life. So so there's a physical judgment upon a physical creature. Yeah. But we noted before that Link to the physical in this passage there is the spiritual always in the background and so the physical language always seems to take on a bit of a deeper meaning so uh, satan himself as you've mentioned is the the old serpent the devil and the the judgment then on the physical serpent seems to symbolize a bringing down of satan so there's this this symbol in the serpent the snake slithering upon the ground if you like that which was proud and glorious has been humbled um so so i think there's there's something in that and then when we come into verse number 15 we read of of god putting enmity between uh, you and and the woman and again we can view that first as physical uh we, we can say that the, the snake and the women are, are at enmity in a, in a sense uh we can we can say um you know a snake is an enemy of a human being in that normal sense, at that normal physical level. Uh, and and again, in between your seed and, and her seed, uh, we could refer to uh, kind of a perpetual animosity between the posterity of a snake, of the snake, mm-hmm. and the posterity of the woman. So there's a sense in which that can be looked at physically. Yeah. Um Mm-hmm. But when we come to the last clause, as you've, as you've mentioned, we, we have to move beyond the, the physical with that because it says, he shall bruise your head mm-hmm. and you shall bruise his heel. So we need to look a little closer there. He is, um, is singular mm-hmm. and yet it refers back to the seed of the woman mm-hmm. and you are singular and it refers directly then to this being that God is is speaking to, so so the promise then is that some one person who is in a very special sense the seed of the woman will defeat the the being to whom God is speaking, and we've seen that 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 that's beyond just the the physical that that goes to the spiritual that goes to Satan himself, and I hope hope that's kind of making sense what I'm trying to draw out of that. So so. Um, this goes beyond the physical into the spiritual realm. And just as the physical serpent gives way to the, 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 the spiritual power that's behind it, that's Satan himself. So the, 
the seed that is the natural posterity, if you like, of the woman, if we just take it as generally as that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, ultimately indicates that there is this one unique seed of the woman who will, while experiencing personal suffering, as, as we'll see, bring defeat to the devil. Are you content with that, Andrea? Yeah, I think it's really interesting to try and, you know, un- un- unpack this a little bit because... Um, I, I I completely agree that, that, that there's the physical or the obvious physical sort of side of things. Um, it's interesting because seed, as we know, is going to be a big theme throughout scripture. Mm-hmm. And this idea of a singular yet a, a plural seed mm-hmm. is something that we come across a lot. The, the word seed in as in Hebrew, as in Greek, as in as in English, um, it can have you know it can be referring to one or it can be referring to many mm-hmm. and as we go through scripture whether it be the seed of abraham or the seed of the woman here there seems to be a similar uh, and the seed of the serpent yeah. uh, there seems to be a you know a similar uh, thought sometimes it's referring to a, a collective and and sometimes it's referring to an individual would that be yes i, I think so andrew and you know just the, the only reason I was trying to keep consistent with verse 14, because otherwise you kind of make a very sudden jump mm. um, and, and you discard entirely the physical. Yeah. Suddenly to reach the spiritual, whereas that's not necessary. The, the way it reads, you know, reads from the physical and then into verse number 15, it's still physical. Mm. But then we get to that point where, right, that there's something definitely beyond here because what it's saying is that this, physical seed that's that's he this is a very you know it's, it's looking to some individual and it's not saying that this physical seed he is going to uh, defeat the seed of the serpent no that's saying he's going to defeat the serpent um so all of a sudden you've you're seeing a big cosmic kind of battle in the background a, a spiritual a supernatural yeah. battle that's going on and it goes beyond just just the the woman and, and a snake so can I, can I just come in there? This idea of, of a cosmic battle behind what's happening in, in humanity, let's just put it. So this is something I think that is, again, developed in Scripture quite a bit. And, you know, it's something that we don't think about a lot, but it's something that I think is there. And is that, you know, for instance, you come into da- Daniel and and the, the nations are moving in certain directions. And, and we find out that, and I think it's Daniel 9, um, you know, there's there's battles going on in the background mm-hmm. that are being reflected in the earthly sphere and the sphere that we can see the flesh, the fleshly, the you know realm that we're in, if you like, yep. that that reflects something of that's in another realm. Um, and it's interesting because you know you remember that um, in a couple of chapters time, I think I'm right in saying um, Seth is appointed as a seed. Mm-hmm. To replace um, Abel, so there's I think in the seed of the serpent because I think that's maybe the hardest one to get. Well, both that your head round, you know, in some ways. <clears throat> I think in the seed of the serpent, we we see there's an element of mankind being taken over by the serpent and and replicating the characteristics of the serpent. We maybe see that. We'll see that. Again. Yeah, we'll see that very much. Yeah. I think when you come into chapter four, yeah, so there's this battle within humanity, even mm-hmm. 
between the seed of the woman and seed of the serpent. Yeah. You know, would you would you say that's that's I, 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 absolutely so? I mean, um, God says He's going to put enmity between uh-huh. the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, and this is this idea of a perpetual uh, conflict that's ongoing in some sense. And we've said you can look at that in a physical sense. Mm-hmm. You can look at, but everything about those two verses goes beyond the physical. Um, you know, so 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 there's always more included. So sort of just to summarize then then David, um we have this this idea of 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 the physical and the spiritual. And the physical in a sense is an outplaying of what's happening in a, a deeper spiritual realm behind it, if you like. Um and obviously you come to this enmity between the woman uh, and 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 the serpent. Uh, this idea of conflict, um, perhaps even continual conflict, you might say. Um, and then there's this eventual victory um, of the woman's seed. Um, we read of the, the the bruising or the crushing of the serpent's head. How, how do you feel this is to be understood? Well, the, the, the text, of course, isn't any more ex- explicit than that but but the the rest of the bible speaks of of satan's defeat um in a number of ways um and one one passage that comes to mind is hebrews 2 uh, just as an example you know um uh, for as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood uh, he also himself that's the lord jesus likewise took part of the same uh, so that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and uh, release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. But so the the, the, the defeat of the devil, uh, or the serpent, as he's called here, is um, not achieved then without suffering on the part of the seed of the woman, because um, you have the crushed heel uh, in respect of the, the, the seed of the woman. Um, so the two things are brought together. There's there's the defeat of Satan, and associated very closely with that, there is the suffering of the woman's seed. And of course, now we can look forward and see this as as Calvary, and the, the suffering of Christ, and by, by which Satan's power was annulled. Well, this is tremendous. If you go back to that vantage point that they were at, if you like, um, so here's here's Satan who's just tricked and tripped the woman and you know everything seems to have unraveled and yet in the midst of the the destruction that has been caused the mayhem that's come in the lord makes this really tremendous promise that it will actually be the woman's seat first of all you know the the woman was to be the life giver um, that would be fair. That was God's intention. No, that wasn't Satan's intention. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman was the defeated one, as far as Satan was concerned. He just, and yet it would be the woman's seed mm-hmm. that would bring, uh, you know, the victory would come through the woman's seed, as it were. So there's that sort of uh, divine symmetry that we see in Scripture from time to time, where, where hey, listen, you you think you've won. But it will actually be the seed of the woman 
that will bring your downfall. Yeah, yeah it's it's the 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 overthrow of Satan, the defeat of Satan. You find, you know, there there are passages in the New Testament which are lovely, as you know, to study in respect of this kind of a thing where you get this this symmetry or almost a a poetic justice and things like that. So you've got uh, Romans five towards the end of Romans five, your First Corinthians fifteen, yeah. and passages like that which show that God will not only defeat Satan, but very often use the very same means. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that in order to bring about uh, the overturn of that which Satan has brought into the world, sin, uh, the overthrow of that. So uh, that, that that's through scripture, isn't it? Throughout, well, I mean, even that passage you quoted in um, Hebrews 2, you know, it's through death that through death. he's going yeah. to conquer him. He had the power of death. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, I, often the analogy has been brought out about um you know, Goliath was was you know slain with his own sword, mm-hmm. um, and and God often uses the very might of the enemy against them, um, because that fits perfectly with the fact that He is in control. He is sovereign. God has not lost His sovereignty at all in the fall of man, and and that's a beautiful thing to see as well, isn't it? Um, he is still in control. So without rushing over the, this beautiful way in which God provides through the slaying of the sacrificial victim and so on that we mentioned in the last podcast, um, his grace and righteousness as seen at the end of, of chapter three. Um, we refer back to that one uh, if, if, if someone wants to know more about what we thought on that. Um, would you say that the chapter four really gives a wee bit of a commentary of this idea of the battle of the seeds? Because we've yeah. got the woman and the children and this kind of conflict that begins. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, chapter four gives the story of the, the, the two boys growing up. We're going to read through that in a moment, Cain, Cain and Abel, and uh, what, what takes place there. And both in, in a general physical sense, <laughs> we, we can talk about them both in a sense as the seed of the woman, just in the sense that they came from Eve. They're the natural posterity of Adam and Eve. Yeah. But as you rightly uh, have said, and we've discussed that there's a spiritual sense here in which Cain reflects the character of the devil, and so he is viewed as his seed. In fact, in in John, remember John in First John three, he he refers to Cain as being of that wicked one, of that wicked one, and uh, how how is he of that wicked one? Well, he murdered his brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Abel's works were righteous. Uh, Cain's work were evil, and uh, so so Cain is in that sense uh, the seed of, of the serpent because he has the character, he has the the um, perspective of the devil himself, and that that same issue. I mean, that can be traced. You remember right down to the true seed of the woman that we're we're speaking about the Lord Jesus when he was here in this world and. Um, in John eight, the 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 Jewish leaders were opposing him, plotting against him, and all that's going on in the background. And the Lord says, "You are of your father, yeah, the devil. Uh, the desires of your father you'll do." He was a murderer from the beginning, yeah. um, and so there is this opposition uh, to the seed of the woman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it comes from the seed of the serpent. 
those that have uh, the devil as their father. And so, so uh, we're going to, I think, maybe even see, or we, we can see whether we, we have the time to bring it out on a, on, on a podcast like this, but we can see even that, that the actions of Cain towards Abel are, in a sense, nearly the, the actions of those re- religious leaders towards yeah. the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. They very much uh, symbolize them or reflect them or uh, typify them and so illustrate them in, in some way um, because the same devil's pride and deceit and cruelty and all of these features that mark uh, the devil are seen both in Cain and in that religious leadership of the Jews in the Lord's day. Yeah, I mean, that first First John 3 passage, I think, is really helpful. You know, why did, you know, why why, why did this happen? I think, you know, is, is, is what John is saying. He says, well, it's because Cain's deeds were, you know, wicked. And mm-hmm. just uh, trying to get the actual quotation here, I think, because it's worth it. Abel's, Abel's were righteous and, and Cain's were evil, I guess the way it puts it. In the- yeah, and, and, and the, thought, the thought behind that word, uh, evil, uh, if I remember rightly, is that thought of malignantly evil. So mm-hmm. there was an inevitable cra- clash mm-hmm. that was going to come in. So if you have a person who is who's going to live in a righteous way, one who's going to follow the way way to God that's prescribed by God, uh, for instance, and is going to exhibit faith, as we find out from um, um, Hebrews 11, well, he by very nature, someone who is living as as the devil's seed will come into conflict. Yes. So, so we're really seeing a, a fault line down humanity now, aren't we? Yeah. You know, yep. it's like the, the, there's there's going to be ongoing battles now. <laughs> there's a sense in which, if we take this to the individual level, it's a bit like the you know there's a a line that I think as someone else has said, uh, a line that runs through the human heart. Yeah. You know, you know, there's, a, there's, am I going to follow God's way? Am I going to go my own way? And, and really, this is where, where we come to some of the the details of the story of Cain, as we'll we'll do just just after this, um, and see that this conflict, the conflict of the ages, is playing out in human history in an obvious way. Um, and also inside every human heart in another way, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that that that's going to bring out the whole matter of choice, as you've said, in respect of that um, yeah. each individual's choice. Yeah. Right. So, well, we'll read uh, uh, chapter four then. Um, we'll read the first section down to verse fifteen, um, and we'll think a little bit about this uh, for a short while. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstling, uh, firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? 
If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Keeper. And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you're cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Amen. So um, the story continues. Um, Adam has has called his wife's name Eve because she's the mother of all living. They were then clothed, as you know, they were put outside the garden. The cherubim was put there. Um, then we come to chapter four. Adam knew Eve's wife and she conceived and bore Cain. And, and she says, I've acquired a man. Uh, from the Lord, or I think some translate it with the help of the Lord. Um, so this is Eve looking at a little baby, really, and a grandchild. Um, and with it, there comes a lot of, I suppose, a lot of hope, um, as there does with every child. Um, uh, yet it's going to be a, a tragic comedy here as well. She, she's obviously very positive about it. Um but it, it, there's a sad ending as far as Cain is concerned. Um, do you want to say anything on that, David? Yeah, well, just just when when I suppose just to say that when Eve here shows this um, or seems to express the awareness that this child has come from the Lord or by the help of the Lord, uh, it seems that that is a reference back. I, I think to chapter three and verse 15 that we've been considering in that I, I would think that Eve is hopeful that this is the answer promised. Um, you know, so, so that the promise was that the seed of the woman would uh, crush the head of the serpent. Yeah. We've got to remember that Eve has experienced Eden yeah. and has been put out of Eden mm -hmm. and uh, experiences now, all those um, negative impacts of the fall and has even, you know, in childbirth experienced yeah. those ne yeah. negative effects. So, but the child is born and surely there would be a deep hope for a return in some way or a defeat of the one that brought mm -hmm. such pain and, and suffering and so on mm -hmm. upon them. So, I think that when she says here, um, you know, I've got a man from the Lord, acquired a man from the Lord, or, I, I think that there's there seems to me an expression in there of of hope that this is the one mm -hmm. uh, from the Lord, 
This is the one that God has provided mm -hmm. to defeat Satan and to bring in the blessing that uh, they, they long for. Yeah, so yeah, so so perhaps if you if you think of that for a minute, um that the, it's a kind of incomplete view of 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 three fifteen because it speaks about her seed and Satan's seed, you know. So yeah. So th there needs to be further development for yeah. it to really take place. But you can see that the heart that 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 is going out after an answer, you know, the cry, the the cry for for an answer to the the human condition now, yeah. that begins in the human heart. And in a sense, David, when you think about it, I mean, it's not a dissimilar question as everybody asks still. You know, it's what's going wrong with the world. Where's the hope to be found? You know, and. Yeah. And, and that you can see that coming out of her mother heart, if you like. She, maybe yes. This is the hope. Um, is that the way you would do it? Yeah, yeah I, I, absolutely. And, you know, we, we, as you mentioned, there's just, you know, every child is born. You know, I mean, in normal circumstances, when children are born, there's yeah. hope associated with it and there's a hope for the future. Mm. And, you know, all, all of that, I just think that's magnified in this particular case because there's a promise in the background yeah, and this is the first evidence, tangible, that that promise is going to be fulfilled, because yeah. there's a seed. There's a seed now, um, and whether this, whether she thought that this was the seed in that fuller sense, or whether she just recognised that, well, this is a step in the direction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, 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 there's certainly a recognition here in this. I think of that promise in the background. Yeah. Yeah, we're not, I suppose, really going to touch on typical truth, as it's termed, or a typology. Um, we have <laughs> not done that much in this series for, for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, there is a way in which, we, we, you know, underlying Abel, there, there, there's a picture of the seed as well, the, the, the ultimate seed, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so often, like, for instance, David is a picture of the Lord who is the seed of David. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so there, there are ways in which if we were tracing this through and, and, and looking at the pictures in more detail, you know, we'll see things about Abel and his sacrifice and his blood and all that that can that point this forward and, and, and worthwhile doing, taking the time to sort of Very much so. see, see how Abel um, really gives us a little foretaste, a little glimpse of some of the aspects of what the Messiah is going to yes, and, and what, what's going to be. Yeah, that's really, really nice to think about. Um, okay, so we have um, the sort of development of the story now. Um, um, Abel was born, his brother, um, and, and it speaks about their occupation briefly. Um, there's probably a few suggestions we could take out of that, but moving on. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now, it's interesting to me that it says the Lord respected Abel and his offering. The Lord respected Cain and his offering or didn't respect Cain and his offering, I should say. Um, I'm just thinking of 
the Lord really rejects Cain and his offering. Um, the Lord warns Cain and so on, uh, as we'll come on to in a minute. Can, can we understand what the difference is? Why, why was it that Cain's offering wasn't respected? Uh, why was it that Abel's was? Is there something, indication, do you think, from from the text or from Scripture? that, that Yeah, well, you know, the answer to it is given uh, to us, as you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, really, uh, so by faith. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than, than Cain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was through that that he obtained witness that he was righteous. Um, um, so Abel, at, at, at the ground level, Abel offered in faith. Okay. And, and Cain didn't. That, that's that's the first thing. But, but I think it's important really to try and then grasp what that means uh you know what does it mean to say that abel offered in faith i mean it was was it just that he had a different mindset in the offering um i i don't think so um i think it's i think it's a biblical to think of faith as a response to revelation given uh so so there's a divine communication of some sort uh, you remember Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is, there needs to be something that faith can be, then can faith can rest upon or faith can uh, accept and act upon. So, so how then did faith in that sense come to Abel? And uh, well, there was some sense in which a divine revelation has been given. And either that's an, an extra biblical revelation that we don't know about, mm-hmm. um, or, and I think this is more likely, uh, we, we do have a record of it, and, and we're being pointed back, really, to chapter 3. Um, and in chapter 3, I think maybe particularly the whole thing about Adam and his wife being clothed with the covering mm-hmm. of skin um okay. you know like all, all through chapter genesis 2 and genesis 3 what is communicated is that sin brings death and sin deserves death and the outcome of sin is death mm-hmm. and and that's that's you know it, chapter 2 in the day thou eatest thereof you'll surely die and then right down to the end of chapter 3 you've got the the flaming sword and, and so there's this there's this recognition that sin deserves punishment. Sin uh, brings death. But the only creature who actually dies uh, in chapter is is in chapter three, and that is there's some creature that dies in order to make coats of skin for Adam and Eve. So there's a substitution in some sense. There's a there's a uh, and and as a result of that substitution, there's a covering, um, and and so we saw that their own coats of fig leaves were insufficient. We've got these coats of skin, so so I think all of that is revelation. All of that is revelation, and Adam and Eve have been there, mm-hmm. and uh, there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever in my mind that Adam and Eve would have communicated yeah. all of this truth yeah. to their to their sons. Um, I. I I mean, to think otherwise, I think, would be really, you know, most unusual, especially in the circumstances. So Adam and Eve have communicated this 
Uh, Abel has believed it. Um, and Cain has not, in the sense that Abel has realized sin brings death. To approach God, you need a substitute in some sense. You need the death of a substitute. I don't know how much he grasped. Mm. Uh, but Cain thought, I'd present God with the fruit of my labor. And so I, I think that that's when we say that um, Abel offered in faith, mm -hmm. right? What we're saying is Abel responded to divine, to divine revelation and what he offered was evidence of the faith. He offered a more excellent sacrifice. Yeah. Again. Um, oh, yeah. I, th I think that's really helpful. Um, so we're, we're seeing here that, that there's a way back to God, firstly, um, evidently, because there was one of the two that was accepted. Um, yep. So there's, a, there's and, and from the beginning, there was a way back to God. Um, the, the basic gospel elements, if you want to put it like that, are, are in place. Mm -hmm. Man has sinned, man's at a distance. Uh, the way back is God's way. Um, it's as you say through um, the way provided by God, which is uh, and and pointed out by God, which is the sacrificial victim and clothing and so on. And there's a sense in which he wants to enjoy that acceptance. Interestingly, Cain is the first to move almost in this passage. We have uh, well, I know it's just I just mean by the. It, it, Cain came with his, and then Abel came with his. Um, and so so there's a sense in which Cain wants to enjoy something of God's pleasure in his life, um, perhaps, but he doesn't want to do it at the acknowledgement of the problem, maybe, would you say? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. want to go back to the garden and say, "Listen, the only way back is 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 through acknowledgement of 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 human sin. It's through facing up to the fact that I need to come God's way." Yeah, and so do you think we've got really a you know a, almost the beginnings of another religious system? Yeah, yeah, you know, there's the root levels. There's something there which says I come to God on my terms rather than I come to God in God's terms. Yeah, yeah, you know, historically, as you know, um, as has often been expressed in in gospel preaching, there's only two religions. You know, uh, there's uh, you know, do and done, um, mm -hmm. and Cain approaches on the basis of doing, yeah. and uh, in that sense, yeah, pardon. His fruits, the fruits, his of fruits, yeah, the fruits of, yeah, the fruits of his labor in some sense. Um, whereas Abel presents a, an offering which is a, a sacrifice. And if we go back to the end of Genesis chapter three, and that sword and the uh, cherubim there, the way to the tree of life, the way to the tree of life as it is presented there involves the sword of divine justice and that being met, mm -hmm. uh, divine righteousness being upheld. Yeah. And of course that can only happen in a substitute or else it happens in us. And so there, there's, there's, there's some sort of sense in which there's a recognition of that. How, how much yeah. Yeah. We, we don't know, but God understood that he had approached with his offering of the first 
born of the flock and its fat, he, he approached in recognition that there was the need of a substitute. He responded in faith to revelation. I think that's where the difference is in the passage. Yeah, and, and again, again, as we, we look at down through the, the rest of scripture and so on, um, this idea of the firstling of the flock, you know, the, the, the fat, there's the thought of the excellence, the best, the, all those kind of things are, are can be brought out. And, and of course, that will be true in relation to the, the Lamb of God, if we want to go away in the New Testament and, and see yeah. the beautiful picture of how this is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. Um, yeah, so, so and of course, it speaks about the way of Cain in the New Testament as well, you know, those who come by the way of Cain. It, you know, again, that's, that seems to be that thought of, I'll come, I'll come my way, um, yeah. I'll come on my merits my terms yeah yeah i come on my terms if i present my my the fruit of my labor if yeah. i you know why why should god not accept this you know so uh, and i suppose we we have here too the idea th- i think that you know even though i'm convinced in my own mind as to um, the distinct ages and so on and and, and and dispensations if we want to term it that um the the way back to God was always God's way. The way back to God, um, they're they're all you know the 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 breakage of God's commandment, the the sin that came in. There there's always been sin since Adam, and the in a sense the the way back has always been coming God's way into God's presence. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I I think. I, you know, I was thinking just just earlier about the 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 way we very often characterize the the gospel. You know, it's um, uh, by grace alone, mm-hmm. uh, through faith alone, in Christ alone, mm-hmm. and you know, you've Christ alone. The, you've that one unique seed of the woman, mm-hmm. which is mentioned. Um, you've grace alone. It's God who provided the covering. Um, for Adam and Eve in the garden. It wasn't their own fig tree covering. It was God who provided the covering. And there's faith alone. And that's seen in the approach of um, Abel here and in his acceptance. And that that remains the same yeah. throughout all of human history. God has one way for people to come to him and receive blessing and salvation. And it's not through their own merits it's by grace mm-hmm. it's not through any other mediator but christ and the response of the human heart is simply faith uh to that uh, receiving the revelation and depending on it and it remains the same you know so as you've said there are those different ages and, and dispensations but as far as salvation is concerned oh, it was always on the same basis uh, yeah. yeah and so the revelation that comes might become more full you know uh, in the sense that you know what what uh what what a jew needed to understand or, or even what a gentile needed to understand when isaiah says look unto me and be saved you know all the ends of the earth i'm god and there is none else i mean there's a certain revelation that's given of god that's appropriate to the person to the individual so but, the only thing that changes is kind of the the, the right so so there, there there's it's it's always grace and it's always mm-hmm. founded upon the work of Christ. Okay, yes. As far as the faith is concerned, 
it's faith must rest upon revelation. So it's whatever revelation has been given in that sense. So so what, what you find is that, as you've said, there, there's certainly not as full a revelation for, for Abel as there is for us today. Mm, yeah. Uh, there's not a, a, as full a revelation. There is a progressive revelation in Scripture. Yeah. But ultimately, it comes down to taking God at his word and accepting his way in that sense. Yeah. So those three principles still remain exactly the same. It's always by yeah. grace. It's always on the, on, on the basis of Christ and his work. And, and whatever revelation God gives, we have to receive it. Um, I think that's, you know, I think it's helpful because, for instance, you come into the New Testament, we're dealing with Romans. Um, you know, we could, and some have termed Romans the gospel of God's grace, and that's true. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. I mean, but it's really important, I think, to see that Romans, I think, of all the New Testament epistles, has the most quotations from the Old Testament. It's certainly one of the, the top one or two epistles that have the most quotations from the Old Testament. And the whole, one of the big points that Paul is making is that actually you see all these elements in the Old Testament. Absolutely. So the gospel in that sense is in the Old Testament as is, is in the New. Now, when it comes to the revelation of the church in Ephesians, there's not that same link back into the Old Testament. There's a mystery side to it and so on. And Yeah, there's a sharp contrast between yeah. the two because it's almost as if in Romans, Paul is at pains to point out the continuity. Yes. With the Old Testament, whereas in, in, yeah. in Ephesians, he's at pains to point out that this is fresh. Yes, this is truth which is previously uh, unrevealed, mm-hmm. but 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 uh, the very first verses in in Romans, um, you know, emphasize um, what is it uh, separated unto the gospel of God, which He promised before mm-hmm. by His prophets in the holy scriptures concerning His Son. You, you know, so so there, there's immediately yeah. that idea of continuity mm-hmm. when it comes to the gospel. Yeah, so if you keep if you keep that idea of the gospel as the basic elements. You know, if, if stripped down, mm-hmm. now, now how that gospel is developed and manifested in each age is one thing. But, um, and I think this is helpful because whether you speak about the gospel, <laughs> speak about the gospel of the kingdom, or you speak about the gospel of the grace of God, um, in that sense, at, at the root level, the gospel is the same, but it's developed and manifested to faith in different ways. Um, as we would speak of God as the God of Israel. Now, that's just, the God of Israel is the same God as we as we hold to as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Absolutely. you know, there's a different revelation there. Yeah. You know, the God of Israel is revealed in the Old Testament. But, but I, you know, it's the same, he's the same God. He's, you know what I mean? The same tri-personal tri being that, that we have come to know. And, and so... I think it's important that we see distinctions without separating things um, too too much, you know. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so I think it's helpful to see that. Anyway, let, let's come to um, this response or, or the rejection of the Lord, I should say. Um, the Lord rejects Cain and his offering, and Cain is downcast. And the Lord warns Cain Um he says, um, sin lies at the door. That's a, an interesting expression from the Lord. Um, you know, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you don't, sin lies at the door. I, what, what way do you take that, David? 
<laughs> I mean, I, I, I noticed there recently that some have called this the most difficult verse in Genesis from a grammatical point of view anyway, just knowing exactly what it's saying. So I, I'm not going to be very dogmatic, but um, so Cain's angry, as you've said, and his his face falls or he's downcast. <coughs> um, his, his actions haven't demonstrated faith, as we've seen. Um, and then he's angry. And this anger is directed towards his brother, um, directed towards God, directed toward his brother. Mm-hmm. And God says, why are you angry? And uh, he says, if you do well, you'll, will you not be accepted? Or by contrast to that, if you don't do well, then sin lies at the door. So, well, obviously there's a choice. Yeah, yeah. There's a choice placed before Cain here between doing well and not doing well. Mm-hmm. And in the context, it, it seems to me that this refers to how he reacts mm-hmm. to the fact that God did not respect him and his offering. Yeah, yeah. So is he is he going to repent? Aye. So. That is, is he going to change his mind and, you know, follow the example of Abel and offer in faith? Or is he going to steal himself against mm-hmm. divine revelation? Right. So that brings us then to the point, you know, of sin lying at the door. If he, So if he does the second, you know, if he steals himself against the truth, um, then sin crouches at the door. Sin's lurking. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe in a sense, sin, sin then is, you know, it's almost like sin is going to pounce or going to take control of yeah. Cain. But there's a sense in which the choice still remains his. Mm-hmm. So it, its desire is for you, that is, that you have mastery over, that, that it has mastery over you, but you should in, instead gain mastery over it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. Is, is there something here, and it's just not something I've thought, it just occurred to me there. It's like, it's almost like, you know, the Lord saying, like, you can go out that door. You know, you go out a door, you by definition come into another realm by you know you, yeah. you're kind of entering into a place of danger here yeah you know once you start rejecting the revelation that i've given and you harden yourself in that direction Cain, yeah. you know the danger is that that sin that is crouching at the door it's ready to pounce and take over you yeah and ruin you, you yeah know. Um, yeah you know, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, and there's a, ch- you know, the, the, there's a choice in that. Yeah, there's a choice in that. You know, um, I mean, that reminds just the picture that you've drawn there. Kind of reminds a little bit, um, of Judas. You know, and mm-hmm. he went out, and it was mm-hmm. night. You know that that kind of sense in which Judas made his choice. Yeah, yeah. And the choice having been made, he was under the full control. Of of Satan really, which is the, the the point there, as you know. Um, here it seems to be just the further sin, uh-huh. the murder of his brother, I think, which yeah. follows. Yeah. yeah. In in a sense, it wasn't inevitable. Cain has this free choice. Yeah. Yeah. Here at this point, uh, but he chose obviously to steal himself against the truth and also to to act further in sin. Yeah. Yeah, so so there's a sense of much here, David. What we do see is that even though Cain and Abel were were fallen, they were part of a family of those who who were 
he needed to get back to God, if you like. Um, they're still held responsible um, for their their response to divine revelation as given to them, um, and and there's genuine choice being presented before them or to them, I should say. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever the fall has done, it is not robbed man of his humanity. Yeah. It's not robbed man of his ability to make choices. Um, and the danger is that in the choice, as 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 mankind makes a choice against God, there 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 is a if you like a hardening process. There is a a process that the sin becomes more and more enslaving. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, I, I think I think this is helpful. So there's a sense in which man is at times more tender to the truth of God, but he he has a choice. Yeah. Um, and I think this is this is really helpful. Um. There, there's a danger, perhaps, of of thinking that mankind has absolutely no choice now, at any level. Um, yeah, sin sin is presented in a very aggressive kind of way, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, you know, people just naturally think of sin as something that they do. Uh, they rarely think of sin as something that has dominion uh, over them or is seeking to empower or, or enslave them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but but right at the beginning here, you know, there's nothing positive. I mean, it's it's presented as a wild beast, nearly. Uh, you know, the the picture that's that's drawn for us yeah. um, of sin, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 tremendous when you think about it. It's almost the process of desanctification that we we'll have here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the opposite of what we have in Romans sort of sixty eight, when it's speaking about the fact that sin is a master's dead now because you're in Christ, and yeah. you know now now you can walk in the freedom of of yeah, yeah. And, you know become slaves to righteousness. Uh, he, he says, "I speak after the manner of men." Um, so there's this enslavement that begins to occur. As a result of human choice, and even even when it says the God of this age in Second Corinthians three has blinded the minds of them that believe not, it's the it's those who refuse to believe. That's right. There's a resistance a, first. Yeah. There's resistance, and then there's a blinding. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really helpful to see there is a process uh, that that you're wanting to warn people away from you know in the in the proverbs it speaks about wisdom and so on and and the danger is there'll come a time when wisdom will laugh at your calamities that will not be there but that's seen as at the end of you know you keep refusing yeah you end up locked in a position that's yeah. like god you know um yeah yeah that's, is that proverbs that's proverbs one isn't it mm-hmm. i remember you know i remember Considering that just, you know, the, the idea of driving along a road with, with constant road signs, which are warning of a danger ahead. And then you you plow on and, and fall in the ditch. Wisdom laughs at your calamity in the sense of how ridiculous, yeah. how foolish to continue in a path. Exactly. And wisdom has warned and warned and warned. And, uh, you know, here and and with the Lord again with Judas, yeah. there was that, that, that warning. There was that gracious warning. Uh, that was given, and yet there was the stealing against it, and that—that's, as you said here, that—that's what leads into greater sin. Yeah, and and sin's dominion. Yeah. So it it seems evident from this um, 
response that well, Kane and what happened with Kane after <laughs> that he went out that door. Um, and we have even this thought of Ab- Kane talking with Abel in the field, um, and so on. Then he rises up against Abel, his brother, and kills him. Now, I, I just wonder at this thing, Cain talking in the field and then rising up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether you've thought much about it. It's just occurred to me. It's, it's almost like he's being conquered by the, the sin now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost, is it out of sheer rage, jealousy, frustration? We don't know exactly, but is there a sense in which, you know, he, go, he goes to Abel and talks and, and he ends up killing him? You know, it's like this is, conquering him now yeah do you think there's something in that yeah well i i remember now i haven't looked at this recently but i I do remember i think that the word to slay him or to kill him is a very violent word Mm -hmm. um it's not you know just there are some words which express violence more and uh this this seems to be the idea in this word so as you've said it's almost um you know Mm -hmm. almost suggests someone in an uncontrolled yeah, uh, yeah. Um, attack, um, and and certainly, so so Cain had a choice as to his approach, and he refused to make the right approach, and and then he has a choice as to his actions, but he gives himself over, in some sense, mm-hmm. uh, to to the sin, and then the sin is the 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 thing which which controls him, and uh, you know that that that. That process is a very solemn one when you think about it, you know. And it, it, I suppose it, it's we're seeing Cain's accountability in this and responsibility, mm-hmm. um, you know, because Genesis chapter three it was Adam who sinned, Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter four, they're outside the garden, but the cursing and the judgment that's going to fall upon uh, Cain here is not. Uniquely because of Adam's sin, yeah, it's because of his own sin and his own refusal to approach God. So, maybe just something worth mentioning, you know, about that in general. That um, Adam's sin brought uh, sin into the world, as we know, and, and brought death in, and things like that. But according to Revelation twenty and other passages human beings are judged according to their works mm-hmm. there's the actions that they themselves perform mm-hmm. and this is what makes judgment just this mm-hmm. is what makes um you know punishment from god a righteous thing because we don't receive that punishment ultimately because of the sin of adam but because of our own actions yes. uh, whether that be our own response to divine revelation which was to steal ourselves against it, or whether it be the very acts of our hands uh, in 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 wickedness. And there's a, there's there's a kind of connection to you know as 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 divine revelation is refused, ungodliness leads to unrighteousness. You know, it's, you know, once once I once I stop, once I stop considering the way to God or the way of God. In salvation, you know, once I steal myself against that, you can expect it built on the door, which leads to, you know, a, a life that, that is going in the direction That's right. That's of, of judgment. Um, it's interesting you say that because I, I think it's really helpful um, to understand that um, they were brought into a realm that was fallen. And, and, and they were brought into situations that, you know, 
led them towards condemnation, as it were, because of Adam's sin. I'm thinking Romans 5 and how it's worded. Um, they, they have a nature within that tends towards sin. Uh, the, all these things are as a result of being born and brought up in a world that is the way the world is now fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are still ultimately responsible for their, their actions before God. Mm-hmm. And it's the, their actions that they'll be judged for. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think that's really helpful. Um, to, to, um, it could be unpacked in Romans five in a lot of detail, as you know, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, coming back to the passage, um, Cain slays, as you said, this idea. I know in the first John passage, um, this word is violent. Um, Definitely, I I haven't looked at the Genesis passage. Um, Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? (laughs) The Lord phrases this as a question again, you know, it's like, Again, he's wanting to provoke this conscience, it would seem. You know, yeah. um, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper, was the response um, by Cain. Again, there's there's almost, you can see an attitude that's developed against God. Yeah. Can't you? Um, what, what do you think Cain was trying to do here? Um, just not face up to his sin? Or? Yeah, I mean, there's the, 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 the idea of attempting to deceive God hoodwink God in some sense and and um, also also to deny a responsibility towards his brother a positive responsibility um there's all of that in there um yeah uh, but I noticed thinking just when I was looking at those couple of passages before I came on or those couple of verses we came on you know the the verse verse 10 there um said what hast thou done you know where is Abel thy brother and what hast thou done those those are questions very similar as you've mentioned to where art thou and what is this that thou hast done in in Genesis chapter three yeah yeah but then the voice of thy brother's blood cries out to me from from the ground mm-hmm. so so I think you were mentioning earlier something about the hope that Eve had in this um child that was born mm-hmm. um here we have your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground this is the the cry for for justice mm-hmm. take it um and you know that cry could be magnified through the generations uh, the blood that has been shed uh, through oppression and wickedness and uh, persecution all all sorts of different things wars and mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff that that, that and and uh it is it is a a wonderful thing, although it is a very solemn thing, it's a wonderful thing to remember that God is a righteous judge. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he will act mm-hmm. in righteous judgment mm-hmm. um upon uh wickedness in the world, you know. So you've got the blood of Abel here, uh, and it's calling out for justice. And then Hebrews 12, I'm not sure exactly how you take Hebrews 12, 24, but, you know, the the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's maybe just worth uh, mentioning that, you know, if, if Abel's blood, if we take this to be the, the blood of Abel here, uh, if it cries out that the justice is demanded, mm-hmm. you know, well, the blood of Christ is an assurance 
that justice is satisfied. Yeah. That's a wonderful thing just to, to consider that, you know, God, again, we're talking about, you know, the, the whole, the, the overturning or the overthrowing by God, you yeah. know, it is by the death of Christ that there is the blessing that comes. Um, yeah. And yet Abel's death in some sense signifies or, or, or it, it illustrates the death of Christ in the sense of the cruelty and the animosity and the hatred of the religious zealots that were against him, against uh, here, here Cain is against him, but the religious zealots against the Lord. But then in another way, the, the blood of Christ achieves something which the blood of Abel could never do, which is to, to, to be a basis for the blessing and, and salvation of souls. So, yeah, um, it's just worth worth considering there too. It's lovely. It's lovely just to think of uh, of that, and that's why you got this beauty, these beautiful contrasts and comparisons that we can find often in the Old Testament with the with the antitype in Christ, with with the beauties of, of of our Lord and of the answer that is found. And so we do stand in the wonderful revelation of the gospel of God's grace. We can, we look back and and we can appreciate all the the basic elements seen in these different. Um, ages, yeah. box, uh, and yet we have the privilege of standing and having seen what it meant for the Lord to go to Calvary, uh, all that was seen in, in, in his shed blood. And so really uh, unto us, the ends of the ages has come. And that's, yes. isn't it? Yeah. We stand at a vantage point in history yeah. that they didn't have. And, and, and that's a beautiful place to be. Um, and we should relish it in in that sense. Yeah, so maybe just wrapping up, David, um, the punishment, it, it says in verse 16, we didn't read it, but the king went out from the presence of the Lord and so on. And there's just a sadness in that, isn't there? Uh, that ultimate, you know, uh, fact that, you know, the choice of Cain drove him farther from the Lord and, and away from the Lord uh, and so on. And, and, you know, in a sense, we don't read of Cain coming back. You know, um, we do read of some very gracious things that the Lord did um, in relation to um, perhaps opening opportunity for him further. You know, he wasn't going to be slain by by those around and so on. He had this mark. But um, so so just sort of wrapping up, um, we've, we've tried to touch on some of the, the key gospel elements from this story, the key the key foundational elements that come to us now so a person in the fallen world you know they have responsibility to respond to to god's revelation as brought in the gospel to them you can expect if someone refuses that revelation that that they become you know enslaved to their sin and and yet even in that um the the it says that cain went out towards the east i believe you know and of course the tabernacle's big white door was open towards the east, east and yeah. there's that sense in which you know that that cain's in the far country um but there is the opportunity of return um if, if there's if just if there's that repentance we don't see that repentance i don't think in in cain's experience like the with, with his attitude um and, and i think that maybe differentiates him from from say Adam uh, clothing 
um, is you know the, the clothing and so on of chapter three. Would you would you with that? Yeah, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so thank you, David. First of all, um, we're just going to conclude here. Um, we've looked at creation, the creation of Adam. You know, the distinct. We've we've thought a little bit about um, the distinctiveness of human beings, um, the image of God. Uh, we've thought about the formation of Eve. We've thought about human um, the, the setting setting up of, of the institution of marriage. Um, we've thought about the fall, the fallout, and and now some of the the basic elements from the Cain and Abel story. So I think I think we've we've done all we can do in this series. Yeah, I mean the the, the passages are very full, and you know there is a sense in which we've only really scratched at them and, and people will understand that I'm sure who, yeah. who, who are in any way considering these passages but to think of them in the way you know we've been trying to think of them haven't we really around the whole idea of the foundations mm-hmm. of reality and whether that be you know culturally or in marriage or in all these different spheres or in salvation these you know religion kind of spheres if you like um We've had creation, fall, redemption, mm-hmm. uh, human responsibility, and really the, the rest of the Bible is an unpacking or an expanding uh, upon these same subjects, isn't it? Yeah, and, and what to them was this great hope of the seed, you know, has been manifested and, and developed and and fulfilled in the yeah. Lord Jesus in, in a beautiful way, and it's something that we'll we'll see uh, will develop <laughs> into the future. I'm thinking of a verse, um, I think it's the end of Romans, where um, Paul speaking and he writes that that the God the God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet. Yeah. You know, there's a future, there's a future side to that as well. Yeah. And and you know this this victory will find its fruition in Christ and in the future. Um, so thank you, David. Really appreciate the study and thought that you've put into this series and i trust it's been a blessing to everyone who listens uh, to it um i've enjoyed it very much i felt invigorated and helped uh, blessed by it so i trust it'll be a blessing to others as well so thank you david really appreciate it